Today's gospel is in Mark chapter 4 and will serve as the basis for the sermon today. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him, meaning there was a boat of Jesus' disciples with him in it, and there were other boats of people with a crowd that wanted to stay with the group, wanted to follow where Jesus was going across the lake with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, three things in the making of a theologian or disciple of Jesus. Three things always working together to keep you close and make you closer to Christ. There's Latin words for each of them, and I'm going to give them a try in case it sticks as a memory hook because they rhyme. <laughs> Oratio, meditatio, and tentatio. Oratio, like aura, uh, what comes out of your lips, a prayer. Or, oratio is prayer. Meditatio, meditation on the word of God. And tentatio, or if you prefer German, anfachtung, is suffering, trials. A prayer for the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no disciple of Jesus or Christian on the planet. You pray for the Holy Spirit, oratio. Meditatio, you meditate on the word of God where the Holy Spirit is active and living to create faith, strengthen that faith, shape and steer that faith into the heart of God all the way, the word of God. And then you make it all real. You go and you live your life. You get out on that sea and see what happens. See where God takes you. You see faith exposed, tested, tried, challenged, and proved by the workings of life. Tentatio. Tentatio usually kicks you right back to the beginning to pray for the Spirit, to understand the Word, plant yourself back in the heart of God and the things that you don't know and can't control and can't understand, right? And you get back out in that tentatio and you wrestle with yourself and you wrestle with the world and you wrestle with your story and you go right back praying for the Spirit to understand the Word of God deep, deep, deep into his heart. This is where we are in this story. The disciples 
who had a trust in Jesus nevertheless still needed to have it exposed, to have it tested, to have it proven and strengthened and to grow as they were out in a boat and Jesus is sleeping. It's almost like a character, isn't it? Like a, a, a same type as our, as our experience with Jesus. You don't see Jesus, you don't interact with Jesus in the same way you interact with other people. And it's like a sleeping Jesus in the boat is the experience you have. Now you're going to live your life. Now you're going to set sail in the ocean. Jesus is sleeping. And you're going to take a challenge. And, you know, how are you living with faith in Jesus? It's all going to come out in this story. As the tentatio, as the struggle, hits the disciples. Today we want to focus on two aspects of this, okay? There's two aspects of this account that we want to tackle. We're going to realize that this story is all about God's greatness as the focal point. This is about God's greatness. And the second part is that, that God, God's greatness is not a matter of what he can do. God's greatness is a matter of what he always does. Those are the two things we're going to talk about today. So you put these seafaring fishermen out in a boat, and you put them in a position of vulnerability. It's kind of like getting a, in a car, only I think you might have a little bit more fear being out on the water. I don't really know, especially if a storm is coming. But just like you get in a car, you don't necessarily take for granted that that car trip is going to go safe and smooth. Uh, the insurance companies know that all the accidents happen within five miles of your house because you're always driving within five miles of your house. You know, it's, and it doesn't matter how close you are to home or how experienced you are with the territory. These accidents just happen. And so it is. The disciples getting into a boat have been in boats before. And I bet that there were plenty of other chances for them to step into that boat and think, I hope the weather's good. Don't you think there's probably every single trip that they took, they were calculating the weather, especially if you're in the entire bowl shaped of this Sea of Galilee that they have going on because you've got hills on all the sides and you have a depth of, uh, that digs down to where the water actually is so that you have the huge fluctuation. It becomes this little you know, almost like a tornado trap, like a wind tunnel and funnel of a, bowl, of a bowl just by the geography and the size of it. So all these squalls always come up. And I'm sure they had experience with storms before. And now you have them put in a place. And we should all get quiet because nobody likes to be in this spot where the disciples are afraid for their life. If players take a knee on the field, when somebody's laying there not moving, wondering if that player just lost the ability to move again. If all goes quiet at our swim meet yesterday because a little girl passed out after her race and fell on the concrete. We didn't know how bad it was. The disciples, the disciples are thinking they're about to die. The disciples of Jesus. Now that's a storm. It's a great storm. 
And that's exactly what Mark calls it with a little Greek mega borrow. We borrow it in English. It's a mega storm. But there's something different going on for a believer when you are engaged in a storm with Jesus in the boat. This is now about God's greatness. And you realize that kind of human nature, we do this all the time, we attack the storms with the best we can, with what we think is our best, with our own personal best efforts, and when we're at our wit's end, when we're beyond our experience and ability to save ourselves, then we go to the higher power. <laughs> that's our strategy that's a little bit backwards if you think about it. Really should start with the great. How great is he? Start there. And still all the while doing everything he has given and enables us to do in the moment, right? But this is typical human nature that you can see the disciples, they're feared for their lives. They're bailing the snot out of that boat and they are working the ropes as hard as they can. Just go back just to Acts 27. All the like close calls and near misses. Oh, if we could just get the lifeboat out while we're passing by Cauda. But instead we can't even get the lifeboat safely down in the water. So we bring it into the middle. And then we're running the ropes underneath the boat. And then we're worried about the sandbar. So we got drop anchor and you know what? Let's just going to, we're just going to drift along for days. So the disciples are doing everything they can. And it's when the water got up to here. And Jesus is sleeping. And they wake him up. It's so ironic. But it's the same way you often process these things. That we see storms, obviously metaphorical, you are challenged and tested and you throw everything you have in it. Gauging your opportunity for success, opportunity for good win, gauging your goods and bads, your pros and your cons, putting your best foot forward, and then when all goes awry, ah, Lord, don't you care? This is about God's greatness. This is ultimately the greater storm than what's happening with the wind and the waves. And it happens for the disciples because Jesus is in the boat with them. And it's just the same way you and I navigate life. Jesus, are you not in life with us? You're in life with us. You're in this adventure with us. You're in this danger. You're in this day. You're in my past, my present, and my future. Are you not in this life with me? And it's, it ends up being about God's greatness because we're, we are competing these powers at work, these forces that are at work. Jesus, you're a force. We did everything we can with the wind and waves on our own might and our force. And now in our hopelessness and despair, we're looking for your force. Don't you care? Do you care? Come on, buddy. Get up. Did you really want to say, follow me and go to the bottom of the sea? That's not what follow me meant, was it? Weren't we supposed to fish for people? Come on. Wake up, Jesus. And you listen. You listen to those words. This is about the greatness of God. And they say to him, don't you care that we drown? This is the greatest storm so far in this story. It's the chaos 
and the turmoil inside of you when you're dealing with situations where you feel God has failed. It's different than just being you against nature and frustrated by things you can't control. It's a spiritual storm. It's a greater storm because it's about God. Don't you care? This is where a disconnect happens in our lives and becomes a greater storm is it's for a believer. It becomes a bigger storm because you know that God is in with you. So so we're getting that point. It's a really huge part of this parable because it looks at not just the character of the wind and the waves, it looks at the character of God whom I expect to do something about it. And what really gnaws at you in this story is to understand how that question, that challenging, almost threatening question to Jesus, like we expect, we almost demand you to get up and do something about it. Don't you care? If you're, this is what this is saying. Let's flip a question around this, really kind of a challenge to Jesus. If you're a caring Jesus for these disciples in the boat with you, you would do something about this storm. Meaning, not something. Meaning, stop the storm and save us. Save our skin. That is what should gnaw at you is the same way you approach life. Making demands of God that my childhood was supposed to be this childhood and not have any of those memories, not have that lost person in my life not having the father I didn't get to grow up with, not having this part in my story that everybody else got to enjoy, not having that storm, not having this financial struggle, not having the power of poverty, the power of hunger, the power of helplessness going on in my life. No, God, get me out of the storm. Aren't you God? Don't you care? And Jesus, in his treatment of this, he helps us kind of also see the problem when he responds to the disciples after mercifully and really graciously standing up right away and calming the storm. What does he say? Why are you so afraid? Why are you so timid? Why are you so faint-hearted. That's his question to them. Where's your courage? Where's your courage? I'm sleeping, and you're acting like there's, everything's out of control, and this is it. Like you have no God. Have you ever um, been at a nature center where they got the little holes in a box with a felt, black felt, you know, lining or something, and you're supposed to stick your hand inside and find out what's in there. Those always kind of drove me a little bit nuts. I don't know, everything inside was like going to be alive and bite my hand off, you know? So I'm going to put my hand in there, and, it's, and then you're like, it's a feather, okay. All right, it's a feather, fine. You're just like, well, what is it? Oh, what is it? I remember doing something on Halloween, and it was like, it was like cold, wet spaghetti. And it's like, ah! I'm like touching brains. I'm sure I'm touching brains. There's like an octopus inside of there, you know, but it's really just spaghetti. It's just spaghetti. And you just pull it. Oh, it's just spaghetti. Oh, it's just a feather. 
That's what God is saying about all of these things. I know they're hard and they're difficult or they're, they're about to die. But Jesus is saying, are you skittish about death? And I'm God? Why are you so timid? You're just like believers who jump and run. And just, ah, oh, run! Uh, any, any little danger is this huge and mighty threat in your life. And this is how you treat it. You flip out. You freak out on God in life circumstances. You think about what the nature is. This is about God's greatness. It's not just about that. Because we have Jesus in the boat with us, this whole turmoil is about God's greatness. And Jesus is saying, why? The whole worry and the whole fear is baseless when I make spaghetti of any storm. The whole thing is all worthless and baseless when the weights of the world are like feathers to me. Job, you're standing up in doubt and uncertainty, almost unbelief, challenging me to answer for my activity in your life. Do I not engage from the foundations of the world in a plan for every last little detail of my creation? This is about God's greatness. And what's amazing about God's greatness is he is the God who stands up and says, quiet. And the next mega shows up the mega calm, just like that. A fresh demonstration for you of the God who cares. Do you not care if we drown? <laughs> Jesus, you could have stared into those eyes as the water came up to here. You could have woken up and said, fine, you want a non-sleeping Jesus? I am fully aware of the storm around you and I'm fully ready to hold my breath with you. And Jesus taking his one last breath and their one last breath when their arms are too tired to swim anymore and handle the wind and the waves anymore and their little heads go under the water and eyeball to eyeball, they're on their last stretch of oxygen. Jesus could have done it, but he didn't. Jesus could have let them die. But by his word, by his purpose, and by his grace, he did something else for his disciples, and he calmed the storm, and the final mega shows up in our text, and it is the mega fear. The words terrified have the third use of Greek mega in it, and they had a great and said, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And the Jesus who shows up caring for his disciples is now going to qualify that care and has qualified that care for them. That it's not just, this is our second part, it's not just a can do, but it's an always does. And it comes out in the language of the disciples. In their great fear of God, 
Now it is not a storm to be concerned with. Now it is a God in whom we have shown no trust. Now it is a Jesus whom we have completely failed to acknowledge his greatness. And now we are standing in the presence of God of gods, King of kings, and Lord of lords. And they say, even the wind and the waves obey him. That's a present tense, and it's different from even the wind of the waves can answer to him. I want you to think about the nature of the, dis, the, the language that's different from what we often have running in your heart. We'll say, God can do something with this. God has power over nature, and maybe he'll change this storm. It's bigger. It's huger than that. God's greatness is in always does. It's not just maybe he will because he can. Jesus, let's wake him up and see if he'll do it or not. It's a Jesus who is already greatly working through the storm on disciples' hearts. It's an always does because Christianity is the name of the game. The goal is not surviving a storm. The goal is spiritual surviving. Satan's lies, Satan's doubts, Satan's attacks, the Job that doubts God, the disciples that say, don't you care, that's the enemy, and Jesus cares about that. Faith is not just something that where we raise up and we praise God when the skies are sunny and when the rain falls on my garden at regular intervals. Faith is something to be pressed into every last storm and every part of it. God be praised. May the name of the Lord be praised. I was in an accident today. May the name of the Lord be praised. This is hard. It's not where I wanted to be, but this is what you allowed and you rule and govern, always doing it. May the name of the Lord be praised. It's not just a can. You don't want to make this God who like steps in, oh yeah, I'll fix it. Boom. Now, now I, good, I did my God thing. And now I'll back out and just kind of let life do its powerful thing. No, life is God's, God's, gift, God's blessing, God's always, everywhere, all the time. Involvement, invested, he's got your top, your bottom, your side to side, and your front and your back, your past, your present, and future. It's all under God. It's not a step in and maybe God will if he answers this prayer, if he's listening right now, and you get all fickle and, and uh, small meal with God. No, he's great. And it's an always does. And he's using the storm to tell his disciples, you know what's best for you today? Is that in the face of death, you would learn to fall on me. Who is this? Even the wind and waves always obey him. Who is this? Even my past was obedient to him. Because there's going to come a time when your little eyes are going to see a storm surrounding the Son of God. And you're going to wonder, like they did at the cross, if he's God, he would do what he could do. Come down now from the cross if you are the Son of God. 
But if he's a God who always does what is best, I will fall into that cross. And the storm of God's wrath, knowing it's good, I will trust that God has a plan for the death of his son, a plan that involved me and the sins of the world. I will fall into the weak, into the ugly, into the stormy, into the undesirable. I will fall into it because who is this hanging on the cross? Who is this in whom I trust? That's the greatness of it. And it's, that's a greatness of an always does. And it wasn't just here and there, patchwork. It was a Jesus all the time for you and for me. My brothers and sisters, let this be your storm today as a test trial so that you can learn with the disciples what it is to have a good, holy fear of God in your life that sees his greatness for what it is as the central issue and understand that that greatness is an all-the-time activity for you. So when you think of Jesus being King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you don't think of anything piecemeal or patchwork or small, small bits, small potatoes activity ruling on that throne. You see it in all the time engaged everywhere, purposefully using things in your life for your good or the good of those around you all at the same time, because that's who he is and what he always does. May our hearts fall into that each and every day. There we have great calm. Amen.